Ready? Tuesday morning football in association with Sports Travel Tours. And what a week 13 it was. We have a full slate of games to talk about for the first time since week three. The most touchdowns in a Sunday all season. There were comebacks, there were tight games, there were blowouts. There was so much to talk about, Ollie. So let's get on with it. This is the Gridiron Show. Right, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter in the studio with you today. Sorry, just a little fade up just for you, Ollie. Cheeky, just... cheeky. We're in a different studio, so you're in charge of that now. Yeah, it's excellent. And what I'm trying to do, because in order to make it more efficient for me, so I'm trying to operate across two screens. So one for audio and stuff to make sure that we can get more classics like this. I think it was BS. Or you like that? You like that? Or. Uh, do people realise I do that live every time, do you think? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's got to be varying quality, let's be honest. We'll have a load of... Play the music again. OK, hold on. Kick watch! I can't do your, your falsetto, but we'll have a lot of kick watch today as well. The most missed PATs on a day in NFL history. That's totally not... Three in one game. Three in one game, six in total. The first ever two-point PAT block return. In fact, there were two of them. One was brought back for a penalty. Yeah. So many kicks to talk about, Ollie. Aren't you excited? Kick watch. Excellent. Uh, So I'm trying to operate that with my left hand and the other with my right hand, which might mean that occasionally I'll intend to play something because Ollie is feeling morose about something. And instead, I will accidentally play... That's what me and Crapper win. Oh, you should never, ever play that ever. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Like I said, this was a fantastic Sunday of football. That's like Ray Rice having a movie. Oh. What? No one wants that. No. I don't think that's happened, by the way. Don't go and search for it. If it has happened, search for it. (laughs) Let us know. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, there's just so, so much to get on to, Ollie, that we're going to have to rattle through today. There's 15 games to talk about. So we're going to have to do something. Why is there 15? Well, because we talked about a certain game on Thursday night already. You knew that, but you didn't. You just wanted me to say it. And I realised that three words into the same (laughs) sentence. I didn't know how to recover from it without you being all smug. So just be smug for a minute. All right. It was wonderful. Hail Mary. Okay. I've, uh, by the way, I keep watching it back. I, I, don't, I don't know whether... Of other, course you do. I don't know whether the Brazilian other pack, commentary as well, don't you? That Brazilian commentary is incredible. But I don't know whether other Pack of, Packers fans... And this will be the only time that we'll mention uh, the Packers this, this show, I, I promise. But I don't know whether other Packers fans also keep watching it back. It might just be me. I don't know. Excellent. Right. Uh, is there anything, before we get on to the football talk, though, we're going to have to do something we've never really done before, which is be slightly restrained. If we want to try and get this into the around the hour mark with so much to talk about, we're going to have to stop ourselves and say, look, there's so much to talk about. We need to move on. So I've got one very quick thing do it. to say. I promise. I know. Well, look, we can ramble nonsense before we get onto the football. Ollie, what would you like to talk about? Well, you, you came in and you started to tell me something and then you went, no, 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 no. I'm going to save it. Yeah, I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm currently wearing um, a, a, a black polo shirt. It's nice. It's a nice shirt. I like the pink trim around the, the, uh, the neck. Around uh, the collar, it's that's more, what the word is. It's more orangey. Anyway, um, certainly looks pink. From I here. keep forgetting that it retains body smell, even when you wash it. If 
it, it you can then it will then smell again if you wear it and you've had a bit of a hot day. So now I stink. That's how clothes work. Colin. I know, but it, <laughs> other other clothes don't retain. You know, they don't retain. But because it's a, like a polo shirt fabric, uh, I, I now I'm very conscious that. Well, we're in a larger studio than usual, and on this occasion, we're separated. I can see you for once, which is lovely, because we're not sat in a line like we are in a ridiculous other studio. But I can't smell you, so best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. I will be applying uh, roll-on deodorant as I leave. Too much information. Anything you'd like to tell me, Will? I went to the cinema today. Oh, what did you see? I saw two films. I love two film cinema days. This Uh, after... uh, Five films in one day with the super, the Star Wars marathon. Oh yeah! On Saturday, I watched all five Star Wars films because Episode One doesn't it doesn't count as a film. It's just a nonsense. Uh, we I watched five Star Wars films on Saturday with my friends Ali and Adam and Laura. Ollie was meant to come, decided then, not to. Uh, then got drunk. Then went on a date. Something else. I did not go on a date, but fair enough. You told me you were going to go on a date. Well, I, I didn't. That was your excuse. I made burritos and everything. And I made burritos because oh, I thought you were coming. I love burritos. Homemade amazing burritos. I found out that the place we're staying in San Francisco is right by where all the Mexican food is. I don't even know where we're staying, but that's wonderful. Give me a high five for that. Oh, yeah. That, that was terrible. <laughs> this is a downside. I'm not doing it again because oh. it'll just be another limp-wristed mess. Okay. Uh, I went to see Carol and The Crumpus. Uh, very varying <laughs> qualities Is Car- of films. Carol the one with Jake, uh, no, um, Kate Blanchett. With Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, and it's wonderful. Oh, I mean, really? it's not very manly football lads and blokes and that, and maybe I shouldn't have gone to see it on my own. But I said to Sarah, do you want to see it, thinking she would, because it's a bit romantic and that. And she really didn't, so I went and saw it on my own, and it was glorious. It just, uh, just can't be asked for it Kate Blanchett. It was wonderful. Blanchett, Blanchett. She's Blanchett. A, she's phenomenal in it. Really, like okay. the amount of the amount she can communicate with just the slightest raise of an eyebrow or upturn of the corner of a mouth or something. It's just it's just an acting masterclass. Oscar. Uh, I think Rooney Mara might win the Oscar. <gasps> or I think what they'll end up doing is getting one of them nominated for best, one of them nominated for best supporting, or whatever. and one of them will win it. Yeah. Okay. And what was the other one? The Crumpus. The Crumpus, which What's was that? Uh, dreadful, but. Quite fun at the same time. It's like a Christmas horror movie uh, in, um, the, in okay. the vein of the old, like, gremlins and that sort of thing. Oh, does it have What's-Her-Face from um, The Walking Dead? Uh, from The Walking Dead? Is it that movie? Uh, does it, was, no, I don't think so. Well, there's a horror movie coming out with um, What's-Her-Face. Oh, no, no, yeah, that looks terrible. Yeah, the I Korean know guy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that looks dreadful. Okay. Uh, no, no, it's not that. It's got Adam Scott in it, who's in Parks and Recreation, and Great. various yeah. other bits. And it's very silly, and it's quite fun, and uh, quite violent, and quite nasty, and yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, cool. But not as good as the likes of Gremlin and that sort of thing. Football, where do you want to start? <laughs> uh, well, it was such a good week. We, we've got in loads of tweets. We've got loads of games to get through, obviously. I want to do this in a slightly bizarre order, so I've set everything up. We're going to do Monday Night Football in a minute. Then we're going to do the 9 o'clock games, because they were so good. Yes, yes, they were. Then we'll chat a bit of Sunday Night Football. Okay. Then we'll move on to the relevant early games. Fine. And then I have a section called Irrelevant But Fun Games. And then the Dolphins and, and uh, <laughs> Ravens all on its own. Should we just... That's all we're going to talk about? Uh, Matt Sharp has been pick, pick six for the fifth consecutive game. That's all we're going to talk about. Uh, oh, no, I... And Ryan Tannehill threw for 89 yards on nine completions. And can I just say, I predicted it, Jay Ajayi would get his first NFL score, and he did. Yeah, you said touchdown, though. I'm sure you said score, touchdown. Score, touchdown. So I'm not sure two points counts. Apples are apples. That's all I'm going to say. You know... 
Apples are apples. That's uh, all I'm going to say. That's the last time we'll mention it. Who would have thought that we'd have kicked off this bonanza of NFL action <laughs> with the Ravens and Dolphins? Oh, we're a disgrace. Tom tweeted us asking... We're the what, NFC East. Tom uh, tweeted, let's do this as a tease to the, uh, to the games. Tom tweeted us asking, what was your favourite touchdown of the week? Oh. Are we teasing? Are we doing it well, now? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, that was the point of this, was that you weren't just meant to make a noise at me, was that we were going to discuss it, but without breaking down the touchdown or the play or too much. I just want to know, what was your favourite touchdown this week? Jenkins picking Brady. Yeah, that was my number one as well. We discussed this beforehand okay. without revealing it to each other. We both said we had, We both said we had a number one, and I bet it would be the same thing, and then we both had a number two as well. What's your backup? Uh, my backup is Doug Baldwin's 53-yard ah. bomb from uh, Russell Wilson, and I'll get into why that was such a good play when we talk about the Seahawks game. My backup is... Marcos Mariota! Oh, what am I talking about? Of course my winner is Blaine Gabbert's 44-yard touchdown run. That was my number three. He is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have full-on Gabbert-gasm. Oh, we'll get into all of that. So, um, But the, literally the best touchdown of the week for me was the Russell Wilson one. My favourite touchdown was the Tom Brady pick-six on the goal line, and we'll talk about that. Sorry, sorry. And did uh, The most you, fun one you was are, Blaine Gabbert. Were we asked um, you're the best one? Yeah, uh, well, uh, yes, I think so. But, I think the exact thing was best TD of the week. Okay, fine. <laughs> Just no making sure. Uh, there was one bit of big NFL news. Most of the NFL news we will link in with the other games. But Johnny Manziel will start next weekend for the Browns. <laughs> After Austin Davis and the Browns tanked to a miserable 37-3 home loss to the Bengals, they have reopened the door and Johnny Manziel will come back and play this week against the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Wow. Devin Fox will tweet us, for the good of football, can we please take the number one pick away from the Browns? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone would be happy with the Browns sacrificing their number one overall pick, which is what they're definitely going to have at this point. And also, by the way, uh, I was going to talk about this when we got to the 49ers game, but we had a bet that the 49ers wouldn't go over four wins this season. They're on four wins and they face the Browns at home next week. You're going to owe me a beer. Fair enough. That's my claim, at least. But it's just that the last week, and probably the week before as well, and that whole Manziel stuff, it's just going to be completely pointless. Uh, total nonsense. I mean, Absolutely ridiculous. It's an abso- I mean, it's just a joke. I'm not suggesting he would have beaten uh, the Bengals, because he definitely wouldn't have done. They were absolutely dominant yeah. yesterday. But he might have had a better chance of scoring more than three points. Yeah. Austin, Austin Davis, not a not an NFL starter. Oh, just, it's just a joke. Right, tonight in Monday Night Football, there is a big NFC East matchup. Technically, the Cowboys are still in the division as we speak right now, thanks to events elsewhere. They face Washington tonight in Monday Night Football. Let's be honest, we're all hoping for a Washington win, yeah? Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> just so we can stop talking about the Cowboys, put them into the irrelevant but fun section, if not the not fun section... Uh, so should we just hear what I had to say about it? Well, firstly, isn't it weird that we want a win for the racists over Greg Hardy? Yeah, <laughs> this, this is not a matchup of good human beings, but it's a matchup of football teams, and therefore I will talk about it, even if ever so briefly. <laughs>
So I said I thought I was going to be a little bit short on this game, and up until about four minutes left, I really thought I was going to be. Uh, two teams exchanging field goals. It was nine points apiece. It was messy. It was boring. Uh, lots of punts, lots of penalties on punts, uh, lots of decent defensive coverage. I mean, Sean Lee had a great day uh, for the for the Cowboys. On the Washington side, you had uh, plenty of guys on that front four who looked impressive. They were stopping the run. They were getting plenty of tackles. I thought Baker looked good. I thought Breland looked good in the back field Compton Foster all seem to have a good kind of team day on defense and it was just a bit of an ugly game and then came the fourth quarter a wild finish capping an otherwise dull game filled with turnovers punts and penalties the Cowboys beat Washington 1916 on Dan Bailey's 54 yard field goal with nine seconds left uh, they combined scored 18 points in the first 58 and a half minutes then 17 in the last 90 seconds Dallas scored the game's first touchdown to lead 16-9 after recovering Deshaun Jackson's fumble on a punt return which by the way is not a fumble I'm sorry but he goes to ground and the ball forces the ball to uh, the the ball the ground forces the ball to come out therefore it's not a fumble because he must be down by contact because it's the ground that forces the ball to come out absolutely ridiculous uh however because uh, they ran it in so quickly and time management was so poor, McFadden ran out of bounds when he could have wasted 40 seconds off the clock or forced a, a timeout. And then when he did go for the first down, he pushed all the way through for a touchdown, when for me, he should have had instructions from the sideline to go to ground, eat up the two timeouts. And even if you're just kicking the field goal, you're only going to leave uh, Washington with 22, 23 seconds left after you consider the length of plays, the time taken off, the timeouts, everything else, to go down and at least kick a tying field goal. Uh, but regardless, they got a big return off the off the next one. Then uh, Deshaun Jackson caught a 28-yard touchdown catch in the back corner. Great feat to get down and tied the game up again at 16 apiece, but still left enough time for the Cowboys to go. Matt Castle drove them. They did well to get into field goal range. Then Dan Bailey nailed it from 54 yards. Still left a little bit of time at the end. Uh, Washington went for a little lateral move. It didn't work out for them, and the game ended 1916. Not a classic by any stretch of the imagination. You're going to hear a lot of talk about the Cowboys are still in it this week. Nothing about this game suggested to me that they're a good football team. Matt Castle did not play very well at all. Uh, Darren McFadden struggled on the ground. This was this was not a great performance, but they won in a dirty, tight game, and that can sometimes be the difference. I still expect Green Bay to smash them at the weekend, and then maybe finally we can stop talking about it. From the Washington perspective, uh, they're, they're I must be gutted to miss out on a chance to move clear at the top of the division. The Giants-Eagles game last week of the season looks very interesting now after the Eagles' performance this weekend. And I'm sure there's plenty more of that for us to talk about on the show. So here's just a few nice little stats. Uh, first time the Cowboys won a game without a touchdown pass since 2012 was Week 3 against the Buccaneers. The first time Monday Night Football history that seven straight games were decided by one possession. The Washington special teams absolutely killed them. Yeah, all in all, difficult to watch. But the Cowboys will be pleased with the win. Let's go back and talk some good football. So that was Monday Night Football, Cowboys, Washington. Let's get into the games and let's kick things off. By the uh, way, it's still the NFC disgrace. Oh, yeah, 100%. Sorry, yeah. I, I apologise for saying East. That is a, a disgusting oversight on my part. Some would and, say uh, a disgrace. Yeah. 
Uh, almost as disgraceful as the division itself. <laughs> we have our first division champions of the year, though. Car- Cam Newton, Carolina Newton. Carolina Newton, as they might as well rename him because he is this team. Passed of five touchdowns, capped by a 15-yard scoring strike to Jericho Cottry with 105 to go as the Panthers preserve their unbeaten record with a 41-38 victory over the New Orleans Saints. A shootout in the Superdome. The Panthers are now the NFC South champions for a third time, a division which had never been won back-to-back before they did it last season. This was, uh, well, it was a great shootout. It was an exciting game. But Cam Newton had a ridiculous game here. 15 consecutive passes at one point, five touchdowns for the second time in three weeks. Ted Ginn misses two wide-open deep bombs, five or six drops on the day, and he still manages to get it done. His naked bootleg touchdown was ridiculously good, as was his run on fourth and one. It was a, His performance today was a thing of beauty. He was so good. That, there was one worrying moment where he broke out to the right. He was gonna, he was, it looked like he was just strolling in. And you could see his eyes, incredible camera work where he didn't actually see the defender. I can't remember his name. Defender smashed him out of bounds. It was head to hel- helmet to helmet contact. And I think he realised, I think he was a bit complacent then. And that really uh, it made him buck his ideas up. And- yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think he didn't keep his eyes downfield and didn't see that, that guy was coming. And he did. He slowed up. He thought, I'm in the end zone here. I've beaten the corner. Yeah. No problem. The linebacker came across and did smash him out of bounds. And he briefly went into the locker room. But it was maybe the briefest version of the concussion protocol I've ever seen. I think he was in and out of the locker room in about 25 yeah, it was seconds. crazy. Uh, but he came back in and had a ridiculous game. Uh, nine teams in the history of the NFL have gone 12-0. and Six of those teams have gone on to the Super Bowl and four of those teams have gone on to win it. So when you go 12-0, and it's very close to... If, if the Panthers did it this year, it would be 50% of the time you win the Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? And the, pa- the Panthers and they're... they're... The teams that they've got left to play, none of them are winning, have a winning record, I believe. So that's amazing. And what we've seen, 16 straight regular season wins. It's the fifth longest in NFL history. I mean, that we're seeing something actually very, very special. At one point, a couple of points, more points, uh, it looked like that, it, <laughs> that that would come to an end. Um, that streak would come to an end. The, the Saints actually played really well. Uh, Delvin Bro, our boy. Um, our bro, in fact, he he, excellent. he played work. excellently. One, I think he got uh, one pretty good interception off of Cam, but uh, they keep getting it done. Did you? I loved Jordan Todman's uh, Calvin um, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, uh, well, Mike Tolbert, yeah, Mike Tolbert. The human, the human bowling ball human. caught a touchdown out of the backfield. Did a full on uh, celebrate. What's his name? The uh, uh, oh, it begins with C. That's terrible. Uh, Cousin Carlton. 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 He Carltoned his way, and it was really... The thing is, that's what I'm loving about this Panthers team, and I'm going to talk about this again later with the Chiefs, but the swagger to them. Yeah. They're having so much fun as they do it, and this is a game which they definitely could have lost. Like you said, the Saints, particularly on offense, look very good. On defense, they continue to be terrible. Uh, Brandon Brown are absolutely dreadful, gave up three penalties on the day, two touchdowns over him, and he had that huge sideline bust-up with oh, Dennis Allen, yeah. which, again, they're trying to play down. I mean, it's about the fifth time we've seen a sideline bust Squared up to him. In New Orleans this year. Proper squared up to him. I think someone, another player, had to drag him away. It was disgraceful. It was absolutely It was the NFC East. Uh, Stephen Roster tweeted us asking, if I was to take over coaching and game planning for the Saints defence this week, would they get any worse? I mean, I'd probably say they couldn't get any worse 
Stephen, but I haven't seen your uh, resume, so you know I don't know how good it would get, but I, I definitely would agree that it couldn't get any worse. Are you worried about Ted Ginn? I mean, he's been plagued with this, Ted Ginn Jr. He's been plagued with this uh, dropping issue uh, throughout his career, and two honestly wide open wide open they would have been touchdowns probably would have stretched the panthers away and he didn't manage to get it done i mean that's the kind of thing that come the playoffs he needs to be holding on maybe it's a good thing now actually yeah the thing is he did catch the one long touchdown and what i was stunned about is even though he's not catching them is that his over the top speed for a guy who has been in the league quite a few years now is still pretty incredible like he hasn't slowed down um, prior to, I mean, when he was in San Francisco, he was much more of a return man, didn't do much receiving because they actually had some receivers there at that point. Mm. Um, so if he can still, they still have to target him because they still have to use that over the top speed to stretch defenses. Uh, if they don't do that, then defenses can stack the box more, get up against Jonathan Stewart. They need to have that threat. I think Greg Olson offers it to an extent over the middle, but they haven't got an outside guy. Devin Funches caught a really good touchdown in this mm. game, and he's really started to come into his own in the last four or five weeks. And so maybe he's the guy. So they're not gonna, they can't take him off the field because what he offers is so different to what else is offered there. But the drops are a pain in the ass. And the other thing we had in this game, and Ollie, it's your chance. <laughs> Kick watch was the first ever two-point return from a block PAT. Stefan Anthony returning it. There were six missed today, more than all of last season combined. Three in the Chiefs game. I am loving the new PAT rules. Yeah, uh, I am as well. It's it's brilliant. It's making football more exciting, and that's what it was brought in to do. I, we don't often say it, but well done, the NFL. Um, are you worried about? The Panthers giving up 38 points to the New Orleans Saints. I'm not. I think these are the kind of games that come along once in a season. I still like that defence a lot. Uh, Outside of, obviously, we've got a lot of time. We've been talking about Josh Norman as being a shutdown corner and being one of the better players in the league this season. But outside of that... Coleman, the free safety, has been absolutely unbelievable. He's now got six interceptions on the season. I think that's just one back on the leader in the league. Yeah, the defense is still good. This was just looked like one of those divisional games, one of those shootouts. And I still maintain that if you look at the rest of their games, the Panthers are in a great position to go all the way, 16-0. and uh, They remain undefeated, a team who haven't remained undefeated after uh, the second loss in a row, doing exactly the same thing the Broncos did, doing exactly the same thing the Bengals did is after losing their undefeated streak, losing back-to-back games, the New England Patriots. They slipped to the third seed with this loss. That's how ridiculous this is. Brady's receivers are so bad, he has to catch passes himself. That was actually a great play, though. A 36-yard catch longer than Eric Decker, Dante Moncrief, Mike Wallace, all of their longest grabs this season, supposed deep threat guys. Uh, elsewhere in the game, there were three uh, three returns in this game, a punt, a pick six, and a punt block. Najee Good scored in a block punt. Malcolm Jenkins returned to the inception, 99 yards for another touchdown, and the Eagles held on for an improbable 35-28 to 28 victory over the Patriots last night. Sproles returned a punt for 83 yards for the other return I mentioned for the Eagles' second special teams touch down philadelphia at one point had a 21 point lead before the patriots came charging back into this one and off the back of this we asked uh, on twitter if the patriots are no longer the best team in the afc basically they've lost back-to-back games they've slipped to the third seed we asked who, which of the 10 and 2 teams do you like the best and who of the kind of wild card dark horse teams do you think could steal in and actually take the play the super bowl berth from the afc and we're going to pepper those through the show people's responses but main streets are saying is it possible right now that the pats have slipped to the being the fifth best team in the afc 
I think he means behind the Chiefs. And the Steelers. And the Steelers. Yeah. And it's possible that on a neutral field, all four of those teams would beat the Patriots right now. Yeah, because the Eagles were a terrible football team until they came up against... I mean, the... They said it on uh, NFL Network and uh, the colour commentators as well on the on the game said, look, they were embarrassed and they were playing with an extra intensity, with an extra pride, and they didn't want to be... That defence did not want to be embarrassed again. Despite uh, Kike Alonso being burnt a couple of times uh, by the likes of Amendola Joss, um, and uh, James White, who had a great game actually as well, um, the Eagles really steam steamrolled the Pats and the Pats didn't really have anything to go going back to your question yeah I mean the the Bengals look fantastic the Broncos keep getting it done doing it ugly um the the Steelers look great and the Chiefs look great as well here is my suggestion on Friday's podcast which is going to feature the great Paolo Bandini uh, in studio with us sat right here in this very room I love Paolo let's look at the AFC and NFC championship race with four games to go and I think we should do one of those predictor pick em things where you pick all of your games and you see who you've got going the rest there the rest of the way all and right. we'll talk through that on the next show I like that good because the AFC I like that. race I like that because the AFC wildcard race is absolutely fascinating, as we'll keep talking about as the show goes on. The NFC, not so good. But really, the Pats, I thought they were going to turn it around. The Eagles got the stop. Then LaFell and Amandola both dropped passes on that final drive. LaFell responsible for one pick, where he literally just gave up on a deep route. And admittedly, it was a, a difficult throw for Brady. It was between the safety mm. and the corner as he was heading for the end zone. But he gave up on the route and cut to the sideline. And Brady threw it just as he did that, overthrew him, and it was an easy pick in the end zone i thought uh the the throw for the 99 yard pick six looked pick six looked like desperation from brady yeah. it was third and goal he tried to force it in between the safety and a linebacker Although i wanted to ask you about that he was hit 13 times yesterday he doesn't have gronk he's lost edelman uh he doesn't have um dion lewis are we seeing that tom brady's and if you saw he's his, a human when we see his um we see his body language as well he's getting frustrated isn't he he is tom brady is a human being. I reckon that, that deserved a longer hysterical. <laughs> I'm fair not, enough. Yeah, we're not going full. We're not going full. We don't have the time. Uh, look, Gronk was hugely missed yesterday. Mm. And I know that's the, the, the elephant in the room as we've talked about it so far. And they're at Houston next week and they're at the Jets in week 16. And if Gronk isn't back on those two games, they're both potential losses. This team could slip to 12 and 4. And in fact, at 13 and 3, they're definitely, I think, not going to take the, f- the first or second seed. Do you know what's incredible about that? They're going up against sack leader JJ Watt without Gronk and they're going up against that that front seven of the Jets who have been lights out uh, with uh, QB pressure I fear for Tom Brady and and I think what's What's amazing about all of that is that uh, we talked about this on Facebook earlier, but Scott Chandler came into the game and had a couple of big plays. He had the touchdown. Uh, he had another big completion over the middle in the third quarter that kind of get, got a drive going, which looked like it was stalling. And he came in and looked half decent as a pass catcher but what Gronk does is keeps defences honest and stops them from being able to pile into the box and stop the run and stops them from being able to bring blitz because the pressure they brought, yes they had some decent pressure with four man but they blitzed a hell of a lot last mm. night. I'd love to give you actual statistics but I think a hell of a lot should be an official statistic. Well I like a hell of a lot. Uh, it's and a great statistic. I don't think you can do that if you've got to be double covering Bronk. You've got to also be thinking about a couple of other receivers on top of that. He keeps defences honest and that's where he was most missed in his 
blocking and in the fact that he takes up those. You could almost have him out there and not have a single catch in the game. Target him just a couple of times and defences will have to cover him. Yeah. And suddenly that makes it much more difficult for them. What of the Eagles? What do you feel about them? I feel they're still a terrible football team, but no, I, I, I've said it already. I like Chip Kelly. I think uh, people will look at this game and talk about the fact that it's uh, that it's all on the special teams on the defence. But they actually managed to get things going on offence. They did get things going on the defence. I thought they played really well overall. And it's unfair to accuse it of just being down to those special team plays. I think they, they deserve the win in Foxborough. And, and that's big for them. And of course, they could still win the NFC East because it's a disgrace. Quite frankly, these two games were absolutely fantastic. I, I was watching, uh, I was watching it on Red Zone and it was flicking between the two. You had the other two games as well. These two games are wonderful. I just loved it. Yeah, right. Let's roll on because, as we said, we were going to not ramble and we've gone on about these two games for ages. They were brilliant games, but there are some fantastic late games to still talk about. One of them happened in the Bay Area. Jeremy Macklin had two touchdown catches after fourth quarter interceptions and Tyvon Branch returned a third interception from Derek Carr for a game-clinching score against his former team and the Kansas City Chiefs rally for their sixth straight win, 34-20, to over the Oakland Raiders. But that lies slightly about the nature of this game because the Chiefs, you look at the scoreline, you look at the fact that this is on the road, it looks reasonably dominant. But this game came down to the fourth quarter. The, the Raiders were leading on three separate occasions prior to that. And it, for me, it all came down to, I mentioned the inceptions there, but the fact that Alex Smith, six straight wins now, no picks in over 300 pass attempts. The tightest game they've had, but when Oakland turned the ball over, that's when the Chiefs came into their own and that's when they won this one. Uh, he's won. I, I really think that Alex Smith is a quarterback who could win a Super Bowl with this team. Wow. Where's your hysterical music yeah. now? <laughs> Jeepers, that's, man. That's probably the most deserved one we've had this year. Let's get hysterical. Hysterical. I want to get hysterical. Let's get into hysterious. <laughs> Whichever team comes out of the AFC, whether they're facing the Panthers, whether they're facing the Seahawks, who are resurgent, I think is going to have... Uh, because they're going to have to have come through the AFC playoffs and have to have played Denver or Cincinnati or the Patriots or the Chiefs or the Steelers, you know, they, that is uh, the the best four or five teams in the league right now, other than the Panthers, feel like they're all coming out of the AFC. And if you come out of that and you go into the Super Bowl, then you've definitely... I would make you the favourites just based on strength of schedule alone. Alex Smith's won two big shootouts in the playoffs. Think back to New Orleans in 2012 Mm -hmm. for San Francisco. That Colts-Chiefs game in the first round. I am loving the Chiefs. I'm loving their attitude. Macklin was incredible. Kelsey, when he got the two-point conversion, they're just rallying around it as a team. They're absolutely loving life. And the remaining schedule, Chargers at home, Baltimore on the road, Browns at home, Raiders at home. They're going to go undefeated the rest of the way. They're going to take a wild card spot and watch out. The Chiefs are coming to a house near you in the playoffs. Oh, we love the Chiefs here. We really do. I think as well, um, Derek Carr, he had this game in him. He had a game where he, he just blew up. It looked like he couldn't do anything. Two really bad interceptions out of three, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a sack pick that uh, saw Josh Muaga snatch the ball 66 oh. yards. And it was a great uh, bit of commentary uh, from the guys who said when he hit about the 20-yard line, it looked like he had a piano on his back. He did. <laughs> That's brilliant. Andre Holmes, who's an old man, caught up with him uh, and brought him down. Uh, I think the uh, the Chiefs managed to score off that anyway. I think it was Spencer. Josh, yeah. Spencer, 
Just wears wear. running touchdowns. Josh Marga had to be taking oxygen on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, for after. ages afterwards. He, he yeah. hasn't run 60 yards at pace <laughs> in about 15 years. Uh, and then Tyvon Branch, you, you mentioned the interception, but actually, if we break it down a little bit more, it was a diving, rolling catch. He, he popped up and was pretty much untouched to take it home from 38 yards. I mean, that was an amazing one as well. Yeah. I, I love what the Chiefs are doing, really do. Raiders, you're not a good, good football team. Uh, but they look like a real football team again. That's the main thing. And they will go on. I think they're five and seven now. They'll go on and challenge over the next couple of years. I like what the Raiders are doing, but they need to improve on defence. And they need to stop giving the ball away. Moving on. No. Moving on. Kick watch. Kick oh, watch. We don't. <laughs> three, Damn it. three miss. Kick watch. Three miss kicks. Sebastian Janikowski. One from Cairo Santos, to the bay, and uh, <laughs> another one from Cairo Santos, to the bay. The first one wasn't his fault, it was a botched snap, but but still, come on guys, you've got to get it together. Yeah, that was bad. Alan M did tweet us on our question about AFC, uh, and he says, as much as it pains me to say, KC are looking pretty hot at the minute, and could well go anywhere and win. Who doesn't like the Chiefs? Alan M agreeing with me. Well, he might be like a Raiders fan or something. You never know. Oh, okay. uh, the other game of the late games, this one we really don't need to talk about too much. Uh, Brock Osweiler threw for one touchdown and Danny Trevathan intercepted Philip Rivers and returned it 25 yards for the score as the Broncos won 17-3 against the hapless Chargers on Sunday night. Osweiler improved to 3-0 since taking over from the injured Peyton Manning and the AFC West leading Broncos are 10-2 and with, uh, with the Chargers sorry, falling to 3 and Nine. There was one really, de- we, one we are- really depressing thing about this. The, the, the reason I'm playing this because the one really depressing thing is that we're probably never going to be able to play this music again. That's going to be the second to last home game in Qualcomm if they move at the end of Does this year, work? and then Los they'll Angeles no longer be super chart. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. The LA. Nope. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Chargers. Los Angeles. Superchargers. Right, fine. It works. We've established it still works. I don't know. I only saw some highlights, so I can't really say whether... The stadium didn't really... uh, I didn't take notice of the stadium. Oh, it was orange. But but when I saw uh, uh, Byron Chamberlain, friend of the show, uh, his uh, Instagram, the stadium was orange, and that's so depressing. San Diego, I'm sorry... I love the baby blue. Maybe London's team could play in baby blue. I'm not having it um, uh, in San Diego anymore. You don't deserve the baby blue. Uh, the, the only other thing to mention is the Broncos' defence, absolutely dominant against us, uh, Chargers side, who obviously had a great game last week against the Jags on the road. Uh, and still, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quality quarterback. Whether he'll go there based on the current records, we don't know. But uh, he's, uh, he definitely has the, the stats and the overall quality to be a guy at that level. Uh, and they completely shut him down, and Von Miller looked brilliant again. Uh, let's move on to late-night football and a game as one-sided as it could possibly Possibly be, and I wrote in my notes: Big Ben healthy is as good as Palmer, Brady, or Cam. He's playing that well at the moment. If he'd been playing all year, he'd very much be in that MVP mm. conversation we're having. He threw for 364 yards and four touchdowns as the Steelers overwhelmed the Indianapolis Colts 45-10 to on Sunday night football. Antonio Brown caught eight passes for 118 yards and two scores and also returned a punt 71 yards for a touchdown with the greatest celebration we've maybe ever seen. It was incredible. He jumped... I don't know why, how, or why, what's going on in his mind, but he jumped full pelt into 
the post. He suggested afterwards that his plan was to kind of actually catch on to it and ride the post, essentially. And, <laughs> instead, and instead, he just went into it nuts first. It was, it's apt that this time of year, the Nutcracker Suite is popular <laughs> in, in musical terms. Well, it, has, it was in the 1800s, but you know what I mean. I loved the, end of, I loved the referee's uh, description of why, because they have to describe everything. Uh, they said, uh, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, using the post as a prop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he wasn't the only one. Martavis Bryant hauled him four passes for 114 yards for a score. Angelo Williams, D'Angelo Williams even, added 134 yards. He was wonderful. And uh, uh, Pittsburgh shook off what was a reasonably slow start, gave away the early pick to dominate the Colts over the final three quarters. Uh, Roethlisberger, just to back up those stats, has 886 yards and 10 touchdowns in his last two starts against Indianapolis. Oh, <laughs> of course, it was a 50-burger on them last year, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Um uh, just go. They've gone um, over 500 yards in three of the last four games. The only game they didn't was the game that that Landry, whatever his name, started. <laughs> Landry Jones, <laughs> Jarvis. Oh, who knows? And over the next two weeks, they face Denver and Cincy. And genuinely, if they play at the top of their game, I think they can beat both of those teams. Have this, any of these been flexed? Because this, these are great games. They are great games, and I don't know, but I will research it while we discuss these games further. For the Colts, bad loss, but I think it was a game you were always going to lose. You're still in the AFC South because it's still not a very good division, but next weekend you could have clipboard jesus starting unless andrew luck makes some miraculous comeback this week it looks like hasselbeck will be out next week. Uh, the game callers um uh, al michaels chris collingsworth by the way we're going to say it every week outstanding awesome. Awesome. um they said collingsworth who's been speaking to uh, andrew luck said it, he doesn't know his timetable but he thinks uh week uh, three weeks time so maybe back for week 16 we got loads of tweets about the performance here. Uh, Tom Knight tweets, Fancy the Steelers. Games against the Broncos and Bengals will show how good they are. Broncos also have a real chance, obviously, at the AFC, uh, get, advancing to the Super Bowl from that conference. David tweets, I wouldn't want to be facing the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. The least Steelers-like team imaginable and all the more thrilling for it. Uh, which I have to agree with. And somebody asked, Tom tweeted asking us, Most exciting team in the NFL right now? Least Steelers-like? Yeah, I know, because if you look over their history, it's all about run game, banging defence. You know, all right, you had Lynn Swan and players like that, but this is not... This is not the Steel Curtain. This is not the Steelers team that went and won those two Super Bowls with Big Ben in the 2000s. This is an exciting, offensive passing team. And actually, what's amazing about Big Ben is that he's... Since his two Super Bowl wins, he's got better and better and better as a passer. He's just not had as good a team around him. Now they're getting to the point where he might have that again. I mean, what luck that Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown are starting to peak uh, in and around this year, maybe even next year. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to, to go to the Steelers' defence. They played really well yesterday. All right, it was up against uh, the likes of <laughs> of Matt Hasselbeck and and and, and Frank and Gore Co. looking old. But um, James Harrison looked pretty good. I really liked what he was doing yesterday. Um, I, I, and to D'Angelo Williams in, in rushing 130 something yards. He looked knackered by the end of it, but. Wow. So that they're retaining some sort of that Steelers identity. There was a few niggly um, uh, defensive uh, sort of unsportsmanlike uh, penalties called as well. So that's coming back into their game. This Steelers, this Steelers team is looking really, really good. I'm not going to use the word that begins with N with S and ends with good. Sneaky good. Super good? good. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think there's, I don't think there's anything sneaky about no, it. they're looking really good. Really Tom, loving watching them. Tom asked, is there a more exciting team in the league right now? I say no. They're the team I most want to watch every week right now. Yeah. 
And particularly over the next two weeks with those big games, those are the games I'm most looking forward to. Ross did tweet us asking, is there a better receiving core in the league than Brown, Bryant, Wheaton? No. I think you have to add uh, Heath Miller to that mix. And when you do that, you have to look at Cincinnati and you have to look at AJ Green, uh, Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert. And They've put got them Mohamed that Sanu mix. that can do it as They've well. They've been unbelievably good. I don't think they're as good. I think the Steelers are the best. But there's some, some talk about them being in and amongst that as well. And we'll get onto that game in a short while as we move to the early game. Still plenty to talk about. Let's take a quick break. So there's only one place to start with the early games, and it's a dominant win for an NFC West team on the road. No, I'm not talking about the 49ers win over the Bears. We will get to that in a little while, but I'm, of course, talking about Russell Wilson throwing for three touchdowns and rushing for another as the Seattle defense didn't allow a score, and the surging Seahawks won their third straight game Sunday with a 38-7 romp over the Minnesota Vikings. Baldwin had two touchdowns and 94 yards receiving. Rules rushed for 101 yards and a score. And basically, the Seahawks did whatever the f*** they wanted. <laughs> and they did. The, the, uh, this was... I predicted this. I thought this would happen. But then that's me being a bit of a an NFC home... Well, uh, Green Bay Packer homer and not enjoying watching or seeing the Vikings do well. But Russell Wilson, and I know you want to wax lyrical about him uh, in a second... But wow, he's looking good. It was just, you know, he's looking good when he's starting to get touchdowns, uh, on his, uh, with a, you know, with his legs. And that was his first one since week 16 well, of last season. We talked about that stat last week where he only won his second game in his time as a starter, uh, when, when the opposition team went over 25 points in his career. But he's gone over 30 points in three of the last four games, including, uh, of course, the loss against the Cardinals. But, They've been ridiculous on offense, and that's been the, the kind of bigger side of Seattle's game recently. Um, I do, just to mention the Vikings quickly, because we'll get past that and we'll talk all about the Seahawks. Um, uh, they've been blown out twice in their own building against the best teams when they face them. Um, look, they're still an exciting young team, but I think they're lucky they're in the NFC. If they're in the AFC, I don't think they're a playoff team. Mm. Not based on the record, but based on the fact that they would have faced more AFC teams. Yeah, and they're fallible. We've seen that they're fallible uh, at the beginning of this season. Their defense looks pretty good. Uh, Deshaun Shedd uh, came in and, and for his first NFL start, it looked incredible. Uh, Frank Clark had um, uh, looked pretty decent as well, two sacks. So when you can hold Adrian Peterson for 18 yards, that means that the Vikings cannot do anything. The I, offense I, looked I, fantastic. And I know that you wanted to talk about one particular play one particular touchdown as well. Let's just finish on that defence, first of all, because uh, when the Seahawks defence have struggled, it's when teams have gone uh, four wide, five wide sets, and they can't play their clever coverages, and you can pick on the second corner, whoever it's been, on the other side. They, of course, cut Carrie Williams today, as we know, Cal asked us. Uh, maybe you're recording now. Carrie Williams just cut. Who have been the worst signings of this season? That's probably a conversation for Friday when we're here with Paolo, and I will put it to Paolo then. Make a note, Ollie. We need to ask that as a question on the next podcast and we'll do it as a proper question yes Andre Johnson okay done we've got one <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, but this not that's not how the Vikings can play the Vikings were never going to be a team who could line up and spread the ball out they stuffed the run they got after Bridgewater and if you're not going to spread them out and force them to play the safeties to play deeper and force the corners to cover man then you're not going to be able to beat the Seahawks but I look at the other teams in the NFC I look at the other teams in the playoffs you have the Packers actually build on the run. If uh, The way the Cardinals play. I mean, the Cardinals are going to be an absolute nightmare for the Seahawks defense, the way they play mm. offense, playing the way they are at the moment. 
Yes, talking about that play, and you mentioned the young players there. That's what's been so impressive for me. Tyler Lockett had a great game. You mentioned Frank Clark yeah. and his two sacks. You know, they didn't get Cliff Averill going at all because they didn't need to. Deshaun Shedd, I mentioned him last week, had another good game. All awesome. But Wilson, we gave him a lot of love last week, and deservedly so. But the 53-yard touchdown bomb to Doug Baldwin, which I named as my player of the week, it was just showed everything that's been great about his game recently. First of all, he stood strong in the pocket, which is something... I think if that if he had faced that pressure weeks one through six, he'd have tried to scramble. The option never would have been on. He stood strong in the pocket. He literally flicked the ball to get, make it go to Bolden. It was about 30 yards through the air. He high-pointed it. Yeah, It was almost as high as Rogers' touchdown throw on Thursday night. Yeah. He just pinged it up with a flick of the wrist. Absolutely ridiculous over Anton Exum, spotting the weak link in the defence. And not only was it such a great throw and was it under pressure... But it came after he just had a 53-yard touchdown run pulled back for a penalty and then had to, well, 48 yards, obviously, because of the five yards for the holding penalty. And he still went out and made that play on the next play. Russell Wilson is playing insane lights-out football right now, and I, I hate to admit it, but the Seahawks are probably going to be in the NFC Championship. Game. I don't know if you said this earlier, but 11 touchdowns and no picks in the last three games. <laughs> Wow. Um, Adam Foxcroft, who's a regular contactor of the show, super fan Adam Foxcroft, tweeted, Dear Deirdre, I'm looking for some advice here. Every morning I walk from my house to the station and I mostly use the pavement, which is what it's for. Yes, correct. He's doing well so far. Mo I, in fact, do you know what we need here? Uh, I've, I've completely ruined this segment by not starting off with this. Most mornings, I have to jump out of the way of a cyclist who cycles the other way along the pavement. Prick. It's the same person each time, and I recognise him partly because he wears a Seattle Seahawks beanie hat. What, if any action, should I take, and would it be different if, example, he was a fan of a different team? Footnote, a Titans fan would not behave this way. Which one of us is Deirdre? I reckon it's you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, it's the stunning beard. I don't want to uh, tar all Seahawks fans with the same brush. This strikes me as much more of the kind of Raiders fan who wears a Raiders hat but isn't really a Raiders fan. Mm -hmm. Since 2012, and we even have a name for them, 12s since 12, the Seahawks have picked up a lot of fair-weather fans. So if you're not in that group and you support the Seahawks through the badge years, well done you. If not, and you cycle, and you wear a Seahawks hat, you're probably a dick. I would agree. I would say as well, though, Adam, and I'm not one for confrontation, so don't do anything. You're, <laughs> you're Honestly, you're the better person if you just just let it lie. Hopefully that guy is lis listens to our podcast. He probably won't because he's a new Seahawks fan. But if he does listen to the podcast, dude, stop cycling on the pavement the wrong way. It's not cool. Bad news, bad news. Right, Cincy dominating a bad Browns team. They began the day on reverse records and ended the same, the 10-2 and two Bengals and the 2-10 and 10 Browns. Andy Dalton threw two touchdown passes and ran for a score as they moved close to a playoff berth and the AFC North title. The Browns dropped their seventh straight. Uh, AJ Green is playing some of the best, well, first of all, the Red Rifle, Throws, runs to one, throws two. The Bengals' consistency and sticking with their coaching and sticking with what works and not uh -huh. blowing it up versus what the Browns seem to do every other year is showing massively with these two Ohio teams. And by the way, we see that with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. They could have mm -hmm. got rid of Tomlin. Look what's happening with them. 
Uh, you know, AJ Green is playing some of his best football. Without Eifert, he looked phenomenal. Jeremy Hill has suddenly bounced back in the last two weeks. Anyone who owns Jeremy Hill in fancy will know how frustrating he's been this season, particularly when you've gone and spent a first or high second round pick on him, like I did in pretty much every league. Uh, but they are playing on offense, absolutely liked out football. And honestly, they're on their best form. We said this about the Steelers earlier, but they can beat anyone in the AFC on their best form. And much like the Steelers, they face the Broncos and the Steelers in the next few weeks. Mm. Fascinating games. Loving what Cincy are doing right now. Yeah, the AFC just gets better and better with every game we talk about. And the fact that their offense is playing so well means that you don't really look, and especially going up against uh, Austin Davis and the Browns, you don't really look at their defense. And I think Geno Atkins has been absolutely outstanding. He was pressure putting pressure on uh, Austin Davis pretty much every single play, getting through a couple of times. I'm loving what they're doing on defense. And uh, these, this Bengals team look really, really good. Hey, it's phenomenal. And what's amazing as well is they spent two high draft picks on offensive linemen, Cedric Ogbue and Jake Fisher, uh, but still they had Andrew Whitworth, Andre Smith, who nearly caught a touchdown pass, which was a ridiculously good play. Um, but they, they, they spent high picks on somebody like uh, Marcus Hardison and... He's not even going to touch the lineup right now with Demata Peco with Gino Atkins. I mean, we got a, we had a really good chat just uh, just last week with uh, with your boy uh, AJ Hawk, and I just uh, the Bengals defense is fantastic and isn't getting the love it deserves. And I'm glad, Ollie, that you have been the man to give it some love. Well, and a bit of love for AJ Green. A thousand receiving yards for the fifth straight season. Only Randy Moss started a career with more than one thousand yard seasons. And that was six. And I'm betting that uh, AJ Green, barring injury, touch wood, that doesn't happen, gets six, probably gets seven. One of the best receivers uh, in the NFL at the moment and probably will be uh, an, a Hall of Famer. We just just paid, signed that big five-year deal. Uh, last year was, of course, the year of the, the big-name wide-out signing big deals. And do you know what? We uh, One of the other things we talked about in the off-season was the lack of big-name wideouts winning the Super Bowl in recent seasons, teams going out and pe- paying them and then not doing anything, he could be a guy. Yeah, we could see it. Uh, Buffalo killing the Texans' streak. Tyra Taylor threw a 40-yard touchdown pass to Charles Clay with 1.53 left to lead the Bills to a 30-21 to win over the Texans on Sunday. Taylor finished 11 of 21 for 211 yards, but three touchdowns and also scored an eight-yard rollout touchdown run. Buffalo 6-6 six and six snapped their two-game skid and gained on the Texans in the AFC playoff race. Um... First of all, on Tyrod Taylor, uh, against that Texans D, who have been so good the last four games, restricting teams to only 8.8 points a game before this week. He was superb. I mentioned the running touchdown. Him and Sammy Watkins in the first half just connected time. I mean, it was only, I, I was going to say time after time after time. That would be all three of their connections. But <laughs> it was a lovely throw on the touchdown and two beautiful deep balls. There was one out to the right-hand sideline, but the one over the centre between the split, the two safeties that set up his touchdown run was one of the best throws I've seen this season. Again, yeah. under pressure, much like the uh, the um, Russell Wilson play we talked about earlier. Tyrod Taylor, what a player they found there. The Bears must be kicking themselves. Oh, which is wonderful. Uh, uh, and, <laughs> and the schedule's very favourable for the Buffalo. Theoretically, they could go 10-6 and six with what they've got for the rest of the season. 
But in the AFC, you might need 11 wins to get a wild card at this Yeah, point. exactly, yeah. Um, for the Texans, they still had, uh, they still had over, uh, 100 yards rushing. Chris Polk had his best all-round game in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins still having a massive year. Hoyer still threw for three touchdowns. The Texans uh, weren't bad, but they, they got outcoached and outclassed against the Bills. And that was, um, something we've not seen the Bills do for a fair few weeks now. Yeah. And, uh, keeping JJ Watt quiet was key for Buffalo and they managed to do that. <laughs> and, uh, I expect a, a backlash next week for for JJ Watt um, for the Texans. So, d- yeah, did you see um, DeAndre Hopkins' uh, touchdown where he clearly pushed the guy off? Yeah, caught the ball. I mean, again, the refs didn't have a great uh, week. All 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 said and done, but. To miss something like that was was silly. But, but but then again, Odell Beckham, I think, clearly pushed off for his one hand was one handed touchdown catch last week, and people weren't really willing to call him on it because it was such a great play, which seems silly to me. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Swings and roundabouts. Mate. Let's move on to New York, New York. The city's so nice. They gave them two football teams. That doesn't quite work so well, does it? Uh, <laughs> Randy Bullock kicked a 31-yard field goal on the first possession of overtime to give the Jets a 23-20 to win on Sunday after they were 10 points down with just a few minutes left of the game. I love this game. Uh, the Giants just can't close out games. They've now lost five games this season where they've led in the final two minutes. That's worse than the Seahawks, who keep losing games when they're uh, ahead in the fourth quarter. In the final two minutes, the Giants are kind of like the new Jets. <laughs> yeah, they really are. The Giants have only got two players. That's Eli Manning and Odell Beckham. And he that's be- it. He became the most prolific uh, receiver in his first two uh, seasons. A man you mentioned a moment ago, he has the most catches and yardage in his first two seasons since Randy Moss. The man is ludicrous. It Where was- would the Jets be, though, without Brandon Marshall? Well, a tale of two receivers. Brandon Marshall is the Jets' offense. 12 catches, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Fitzpatrick has been great the last two weeks after the slump, but they're a team who very much could still make the playoffs. They're back into that playoff hunt now. We all want to say that the Chiefs and Steelers are definitely going there, but they have the Titans at home this week, at the Cowboys, then the Pats at home. We don't know what kind of Pats team is. Then at the Bills. I mean, they, they win three out of those four. They go 10 and 6. Suddenly, they look like they might nick one of those AFC wildcard berths, which we're so ready to give away to the Chiefs and Steelers. That's why this is so exciting. It's it's just a shame that one of the playoff berths is going to come out of the NFC South, formerly <laughs> the AFC South, sorry, formerly the uh, AFC disgrace. So... And, and out of the NFC disgrace. Both those divisions yeah. have their playoff positions taken away from them and given to the Jets. I know. Uh, for the Gi- Giants-wise, they went from fourth and two through a pick when a field goal would have been the difference to win it. They just totally killed themselves. Time management was dreadful again. You know, Tom Coughlin is meant to be a good coach and has made bad decisions consistently recently. He might finally go this season? Yeah, I know. Will he? Won't he? Probably I mean, he's, not. he's loved there. Really loved. Perhaps do a, a, a soccer thing and uh, move him up to, to management or something um, and bring someone in from, from elsewhere or whatever. But yeah, the Giants, they're not a good football team. And I was kind of pleased that they lost. Uh, moving on. Rolling. Rolling, the Cardinals keep rolling, because that's what I called this section on my thing. David Johnson, that absolutely. That was one of the worst things you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> David Johnson uh, and Kerwin Williams in as the, in as the replacement back score touchdown apiece <laughs> as the Cardinals stuffed the Rams 27 to 3 on Sunday. David Johnson was phenomenal. Brilliant in pass protection where, I mean, Chris Johnson, we talked about it a lot earlier in the season. He was doing, he was brilliant, but, 
he was kind of he was brilliant because of scheme. He was brilliant because of a great run blocking line. He was never having to make too many cuts. He was never having to particularly accelerate out of his breaks. He just kind of had it all put to him on a plate. But they kept him in because he was so good in pass protection and because David Johnson had a few issues with that earlier in the year. He picked up blitzes on two or three occasions in this game that were phenomenal, got his 100 yards and the score. David Johnson looks like a guy who could carry the Cardinals running game for seasons to come. How good was this uh, Cardinals defence? OK, they're going up against the Rams. Nick Foles again, awful. <laughs> but how good are they? I mean, they keep getting it done. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely, I, we've said it plenty of times. I love the Cardinals. I love the fact that they keep getting the pressure. Tyrion Matthew continues to play at an all-pro level. Absolutely love that. They've now won six in a row. And they and what they did this week was dominated against bad opposition, which they didn't do against the 49ers last week in a game which they probably should have dominated. But a couple of times this year that they've uh, lost to team, I mean, like the loss to the Rams, where they've looked a little bit vulnerable. vulnerable. They appear to be closing that down. But on the other side of it, Fisher has to be sacked this year. Oh, he's crap. They have to win their last four in a row just for him to go for his standard eight and eights. Three in a row, three out of four to go seven and nine. He started foals this week. He couldn't wait to tell us he's going back to Case Keenum. He's ruining Todd Gurley for us, Ollie. I know. That offensive line is shocking. You'd expect them to invest heavily draft-wise in offensive linemen in, in in, uh, in the next draft. Because and a quarterback, I imagine as well. Well, and a quarterback. But there's so many things that that Rams defense, uh, that Rams team needs. They might even need a, a move away from uh, St. Louis on this rate. Because who will want to go and watch a Jeff Fisher Rams team next year? Not they'll me. of course have an extra second round pick after the Sam Bradford trade, so they'll be able to go out and invest heavily. Something they've not done brilliantly with high picks. They've picked up off trades in recent years. But the Rams get rid. The Cardinals ten and two keep rolling as the Falcons continue to collapse like a flan in a <laughs> cupboard. 5-0 and oh to start the season, 1-6 and six through the next seven games. They're now 6-6 six and six on the year and genuinely, looking at the rest of their schedule, if they went 6-10 and 10, it would not be that big of a surprise. No, it really wouldn't. Uh, we should talk about the game they played in, probably. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 23. Atlanta Falcons, 19. Uh, a, a late game, wonderful drive. Jameis Winston threw a six-yard touchdown to Mike Evans with 139 remaining to give the Bucks a 23-19 victory. Did you see his post-game press conference? I did not. Funny, funny stuff. He, he came out and he said, we got into the huddle on that final play. We so, I stood there and everyone looked knackered. The linemen were tired, the running backs, everyone. And I just went... Who wants a touchdown? And Mike went, me, 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 I want the touchdown, I want the touchdown. So I threw it to Mike. Incredible. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Uh, the number one overall pick in this year, in this year's draft scored a, on a five-yard run and scrambled up the middle of the field, 20 yards on third and 19 to prolong the third game-winning drive of his career. Jameis Winston running for the first down on that winning drive, throwing the winning touchdown. He did throw one pick on the day, but he's handled the ball much better than we expected. They're a real playoff container at 6-6 six and six in a much weaker NFC. Gurley is no longer nailed on for Rookie of the Year. This performance, combined with what happened down in Tennessee, makes me think that there are other players who might... Or oh, Jacksonville, I can't remember where that game was played now. Actually. It was Tennessee. It was uh, in Nashville. Yeah, brilliant, perfect. Uh, Gurley no longer nailed on for Rookie of the Year. Another thing that Jeff Fish has ruined for us, Winston... Loved it. Doug Martin, excellent again. Sims caught a couple of passes out of the backfield. Finally had Austin Safarian Jenkins back after a long time out. He looked good. I like this Tampa Bay team. I like this Tampa Bay team as well. I still hate uh, the the Lovey Smith is going to get plaudits for this. I think he's a terrible coach. Will, they're 6-6. Their last four games Mm -hmm. is uh, against the Saints, at the Rams, against the Bears, at the Panthers. 
they win three of those, they go to nine and seven, they could make the playoffs. I think they won't because I think the Cardinals will win the West and I think yourselves or the Vikings will split the North and then the Vikings the and the Seahawks will yeah. make the World Cup yeah. positions. But the Bucks going nine and seven after how terrible they've been the last four or five years is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the Falcon side, I mean, Julio Jones questioned the play calling in the red zone after the game. He had uh, eight catches, ninety-three yards. If you look at their remaining schedule, like I say, they could go six and ten. Matt Ryan, it wasn't all on him today. Yeah, but he was crap again. But he gave up some silly sacks. He gave up a silly pick again. I, it's disappointing. Yeah. Okay, irrelevant but fun games! These are three games that we just need to cover off very quickly. In fact, it's not three games anymore because we've talked about Miami-Baltimore as much as we need to. Uh, I can't believe that we're going to finish the podcast on the game. We're going to finish it on. But we should absolutely 100% talk about the shootout that we deserved on Thursday Night Football for staying up late to watch it. We didn't get it. What we did get was a ridiculous game in Nashville. Marcus Mariota scoring the go-ahead touchdown on an 87-yard run midway through a crazy fourth quarter and the Titans edge the Jags 42 to 39 on Sunday to snap their 11 game home losing streak and you know what was particularly ridiculous about that no if you take Mariota's run out of this game he had a phenomenal game and we had people uh, Jamie Cuttridge of uh, this occasionally of this parish tweeted what size should his Hall of Fame jacket be he wasn't the best quarterback in this game no. Blake Bortles threw for five touchdowns and was really quite unlucky to be on the bad side but Mario's 112 yards on the ground the difference uh, Bortles on um, track for 4,300 yards this year ridiculously good for a guy playing in the team he's playing for but bad defences Jags Rundy has been brilliant the last few mm. weeks. Uh, last four weeks, I think they've been top five in the league. But they need help at pass rush. They need help at linebacker. They need help in the secondary. They should basically just draft all, maybe all defensive players and one offensive lineman. That's what they should draft. Well, they year. don't need anything on offense. They've got a decent, more than decent quarterback. Uh, TJ Yeldon will see much more from him next year. You've got two Allens at uh, wide receiver. Julius Thomas at, at tight end. So, I... Do you give Gus Bradley another year to get the defense right? Yes. Yeah. One more. One okay. more year. One more year. Um, and then the Titans. I mean, I, I can't. We can't not give them love. Forty-two points. Mariota did look brilliant. That touchdown run was fantastic. And it, yeah, he once he's got better weapons around him, he's got a half decent offensive line who aren't playing up to it. But actually, he's got some interesting pieces on that line. A couple of young players there. They could prove to be a decent team. What I really loved about that run, by the way, the third longest run uh, by a QB since 1970, uh, Terrell Pryor and Colin Kaepernick, 2013-14, respectively, were slightly longer. But what I loved about that run was the way the field opened up. He saw that it opened up. He There was a moment where you thought... Slide, slide, but no, he he broke inside. Taven Austin, uh, not Taven Austin, uh, Justin Hunter was chasing him, and Justin Hunter saw that there was there was going to be someone to catch him. Put in a brilliant block. Mariota, Mariota went in. I absolutely loved that touchdown. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. And finally, the beer bet is on. A Gabbert Gasm in Chicago. 44-yard run to level the game. 71-yard touchdown. He is killing it! That 71-yard touchdown to Torrey Smith in overtime after running for the tying touchdown late in regulation lifted the struggling 49ers to a 26-20 and victory and a 4-8 and record over the Chicago Bears, who have slipped to 5-7. and They went 3-and-out, and out, forcing a punt by San Francisco to start the overtime. And uh, the man of the moment, really, for the 49ers was Robbie Gould. Yeah, that 36-yard miss, 
unbelievable to win the game. But he'd missed he'd missed the touchdown earlier in the, in the same I think in the in the second half. I think it might have been the third quarter. But he'd missed a chip shot field goal earlier. Then he had to set up for that one. He's one of the most reliable kickers in the league. Misses his second kick of the game. And what was brilliant is that Dixon tweeted me after Blaine Gabbert r- ran for uh, ran for his forty four yards. I tweeted from my personal Twitter account, not from Gridiron. You won't hear such language on Gridiron. Blaine. F- Gabbert in big capital letters. Then immediately afterwards, they returned that kickoff for uh, 71 odd yards to put themselves into field goal range uh, the, with the score tied at 20 apiece. And he tweeted me back going, <laughs> your Gabbert gasm didn't last very long. I favorited it. I waited on it. And then I quote tweeted it 20 minutes later when he threw the 71 yard touchdown run. I won at being a smug twat on Twitter. I loved every single part of that victory. I called it. I knew they would win. I love that they won. Absolutely glorious. I, um, Cutler, uh, we gave him a lot of praise for under Adam Gase. And, but he's come back down to earth. Last three games, just the one touchdown throw. Admittedly, the running game has been good. But a horrible pick six in this game uh, early on, which really when the Bears were shutting down the 49ers on offense. Blaine Gabbert didn't start the game as strongly. But genuinely... I'm ready to believe, Blaine Gabbert, first of all, and this is a stat we picked, I stole completely from around the NFL to give them the praise on this one. He's had four of the five fastest quarterback runs through the last four games. He is a guy, that's a very underrated part of his game. And I think with the Jeep creased, roll out, bootleg style offense, Mm. he's a guy who I have no issue with us rolling out next season whilst we rebuild. Pick up a quarterback in the draft. Let let him learn from Blaine Gabbert. But you know what I mean. Let him learn. Let him uh, adapt and develop in the NFL. Someone like a Jared Goff, who's only really had one great season this year, but has been developing through his whole time in college. Pick up somebody like that. Give them a year or two to sit. Build slowly and rebuild this into a great team again. Um, Chris, in fact, tweeted, I refer to you to my hysterical Steve Young Blaine Gabbert tweet from about two weeks ago, which really that comparison does more than anything else we've had on this show. I'm not saying he's Steve Young, but if you look at Steve Young's numbers when he left Tampa, 3-16, and 11 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, just a 55% completion rate, rate they're a comparable age. Could Gabbert could be an example of like a Tyrod Taylor style he should have been sat and should have been allowed to learn. Instead, he was thrown in at the deep end, didn't do a very good job, but now he's had some time. He's developing into a real NFL quarterback. I'm getting hysterical about this, but I love Blaine Gabbert. Uh, to continue the love, he said uh, to the colour commentators, this is the best physically he's ever felt. And you're seeing it with that touchdown run. You're seeing it with the big arm. It's getting exciting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We I'm sorry, talked, guys. We have talked way too much about the 49ers-Bears game when I said these games were going to be the irrelevant, irrelevant unfun, quick ones we go through. And you can tell that I haven't had water in the studio with me today because the mistakes pile up as the podcast goes on and I stop being able to speak properly. My mouth's very sticky. I'm just not producing any saliva anymore, are they? <laughs> oh, no. Do you know what would make me salivate? No. The idea of next week's podcast. Oh. Because it's going to be a stonker. 
We've got uh, Paolo Bandini joining us in the studio. We're going to talk about the a- who we predict is going to be in that AFC and NFC wildcard positions. We're going to make our final predictions four weeks before the end of the season, lock them in, make some beer bets on them, preview all the weekend's games, and there are some absolute stunners this weekend. So we're getting into the studio, I think, at midday on Friday? Yes, please, yeah. And we will be doing our very best to get a big interview for that as well. We did get a lovely tweet from wrongshapefootballs.com saying, wow, the big, uh, the, the big interviews. <clears throat> Did you not read the tweet? Yeah, <laughs> is it not, not right in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying, no, it's not right in front of me. I'm just remembering it right now. Uh, saying, like, wow, the big interviews keep rolling. If you did miss out on our interview from last week with Jerry Glanville, former uh, defensive coordinator and head coach of the Falcons and Houston Oilers, that was a great interview talking about Warren Moon, talks about Brett Favre, really, really good fun. Well worth going back and listening to that. And on Thursday night football this week, it's Vikings at the Cardinals. That is a great game. Yeah, especially with how bad the Vikings were this week. They can't be this bad again, or that bad again this week, or, or on, on Thursday. Thankfully, there's no colour rush uniforms. We can get <laughs> pro- hashtag kit watch. Yes, the Vikings were terrible this week, Ollie, but I think uh, they continue to be terrible. I think the Cardinals win this one at home, go to 10-3, and three, open it up for you with the Cowboys coming into your building on Sunday night to take sole possession of first place in the NFC North. There are some great games elsewhere as well. Steelers at Bengals in the early games. Yes. Uh, Patriots at Texans in the late game. We've got so much to preview, so that'll be coming up later this week. Uh, go to gridiron-magazine.com to take part in our predictor game. You can win a New Era hat if you win the weekly game and there will be an overall season prize which we'll be announcing very very soon uh, at Gridiron on Twitter to follow us there go to iTunes give us a rating that would be lovely we love you for doing it uh, Ollie is there anything you'd like to add to this malaise do you know what I think we've, we've run long I won't tell people about my dad wrote a porno podcast which is fantastic uh, go out and get my dad wrote a porno as a podcast it sounds I, I didn't know that the word podcast was going to come on the end of that I really thought the story was going to be that uh, Mr Hunter had written himself a porn no no thank god he hasn't it would be awful this is it's so funny Will you must listen to it I know you're always looking for things to listen to you must absolutely 100% so thank you so much for listening to us at Gridiron on Twitter like we say we love that you tune in we love that you interact with us on Twitter we've got a Facebook as well Gridiron Magazine there's Grid at gridironpod at gmail.com you can email us there as well with your dear Deirdre questions uh, Ollie Hunter anything you'd finally like to add no nope. wonderful this has been the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tour